Hi, everyone. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, and also video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. So, This month, uh, my interview with Chris Power, the British literary novelist, is up there. But coming out next month will be a conversation I just literally just had with the British spiritual teacher and author, uh, Kate Chigetti. Oh, what a great conversation. So you can learn about all that, find all that at authormagazine.org. And we are funded by the great people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They will be supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955 can learn about them and their conference that I will be appearing at, teaching at, at uh, pnwa.org. That conference will be in September, so sign up now. Speaking of conferences, I just got done with the uh, Writer's Digest yearly conference. It was virtual, and it was great. Had a great time teaching. Everyone has what it takes. Long all-day workshop and fearless marketing. Thank you to all the folks who participated, and, well, I hope to do it again sometime soon. So, today's guest, what an interesting person. I appeared on uh, today's guest, Vicki J. Carter. She has a podcast. She's known as the Author's Librarian, and I've been on her podcast a couple times, but I had her on my podcast today. What an interesting woman. We talked a lot about her time being raised in a very conservative uh, religious community and coming out of that, becoming a librarian, and uh, becoming the author of uh, a book called Research Like a Librarian. We had a great talk about research. And, and her podcast, and um, just what it is to be someone who wants to help people and connect people, and well, that's what we're all about here. So, uh, I hope you enjoy it. Here she is, Vicki J. Carter. All right, Vicki. Vicki, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you on. I have had the pleasure of being on your podcast. Yeah. Twice. Twice. Yeah. Yeah. And one, I guess one, we recorded it last week, but it'll be, you'll be it'll posting be out it. today. Fingers oh, it crossed. came out today. Oh. It will be out today. I'm working oh, on it. It will be out. So it'll for those of you listening, uh, today is not the day you're hearing this. So uh, I will post a link to the interview, the conversation I had with Vicky. But today, Vicky is my guest, and I'm very pleased. To have, let's start by talking about that podcast. Yeah. Um, actually, let's just a little bit about you. You're as a profession. Yes. You are a librarian. I am a librarian through and through. <laughs> yeah, and you take that work very seriously. I understand. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, and so what? What drew you to? to do that work? Uh, I mean, because you're a writer also, but you kind of came through the, the work as a, li- as a librarian. So what drew you to that? Like why, great, of all the things? Great question. And I'll give you the short version of it. <laughs> so You don't have to do that, <laughs> but we'll start with the short version. Okay. So I started out um, actually going back to school as an adult student with two kids in tow. Um, wow. My husband, yeah, was off touring full-time as a musician. I said I had enough touring life. Um, came home, put my kids into school, and I needed a change. 
and a career. And so I started out at a community college and started working with librarians and working in the public school system right. um, as my kids were in school and landed in the library there and um, started to see a huge need for progression for librarians. Like either you were gonna get on the digital wave or you're gonna be extinct. And so it encompassed some of my loves, which is technology, teaching people, and also the library aspect altogether. So um, I did my master's and bachelor's online for both for library science and information technology, and then landed at a public, our public library. I worked there for quite a while. And then when my master's was done, I moved back to that community college and worked in their library full time. Wow. Oh, you returned yeah. home. And so you, the touring life, you tired of it. So you were involved in that touring. Oh, life. yes. Oh, yes. What? I was the oh. band wife <laughs> supporter. Oh, so you weren't on stage with him singing no. or anything. Thank goodness. No, nobody wants to hear me sing. Um, no, I, I did merch. I helped build land uh, web pages. I did a lot of sales. Um, and then we finally did get to a place where they had handlers. I call them handlers in our world, in the book world, that's agents, right, you know, right, right. contracts, things like that. Um, and it was getting a lot of people around us. And I was like, ah, my kids, I think the kids need uh, yeah. some stability. So I came back to Washington and stayed here full time when he finished. And I think he toured for another four or five years full time. And then it just got to the place where he wasn't seeing the kids enough, so. Right, it's a, uh, I, James Taylor, I heard describe the musician's life, he said is surprisingly blue collar. Meaning oh, yeah. you go out and you do the job, you go out and you do the, I mean, there's, you know, cheering and you're making art, but yeah. you're kind of doing, especially once you learn the songs, you. I, I'd imagine you can get a little bored. You get very bored of them. Yeah. You really do. And then, so what's really interesting is that lifestyle really set me up for the book world because yeah. there's a lot of similarities. So just like when there's a CD that they have um, put out, then they have to go out and promote that CD on yeah. tour. And so that's all you're focused on. And to get that creative energy going again, you have to write a whole new album. You have to go in the studio and then you have to promote that to death. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so it's very, very similar to us authors, even if we're traditional or self-published and the, the characters around the um, music industry are very similar to the characters around a uh, publishing industry as far as um, publishing goes. Contracts are somewhat similar, but yeah. then we, we hit that time, things were coming out for my husband right at the time of the digital um, technology and so CD sales slumped right. and people were scrambling to try to figure out how are they going to make a living out of it. Um, so we got out at a really good time for us and our family. And everybody asked me, when are you going to write a book about that? And it is on the radar. Trust me. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I feel for the musicians because when it went digital, how people were getting their music kind of for free-ish, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. whereas when publishing went digital, which it sort of did but sort of didn't because like young people still as i understand it are not interested in ebooks for instance yeah, yeah, I, I am not are. really interested in ebooks i i sort of been trying them out but i i read enough online i feel like i like a book yeah the physical yeah. experience of it yeah and um the tactile experience of it. and mm -hmm. so even though it's gone digital it's not a hundred it's still a, a blend you know depending yeah. on your genre especially yeah. and what this generation loves though is audio 
So because they're audio centric, if you think about the generation, all they've done is listen or watch TV. And so anything that's audio or visual, they're going to grab onto. So from what I've seen in my friends that have done audiobooks, they do very, very well. So that's one crossover, but yeah, it was, it was a really huge challenge to keep track or even know where your sales were going. And um, yeah, it just was a lot. (laughs) So, all right. So you, you become a library and, and, you know, I should say also Vicki has an essay that'll be published in this upcoming issue. So that upcoming being August, August 1st, it'll be up ish august 1st ish and this was kind of i mean it was meant to it was dealing with the issue of um a plagiarism yeah um but it was autobiographical mm-hmm. and you know it tells you know it's interesting you came out of a very conservative christian family mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and that is a hard uh environment i i was i had a client who came out of something similar to that it was very hard for her she was an ambitious young woman and that environment sometimes, if it's really traditional, yes, it really doesn't matter if it's Islam or Judaism or Christianity, yeah. certain things they all have in common, which is women are there not to be <laughs> heard, but to be seen and to be yes. universal. Be submissive. Be submissive. <laughs> I mean, it really, I was just watching a thing about Judaism and about like the most Orthodox Judaism. And it was, you know, all the same stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. And that is challenging. I mean, in general, those conservative religions do not promote any kind of artistic, real Mm -hmm. artistic freedom. Mm -hmm. They just can't have it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you had to come out of that. Yeah. That is not, that is psychological. And, you know, and maybe you can speak about this a little bit without getting into stuff that you're uncomfortable with. But when I work with this client, one of the challenges is if you're raised in that, you have to believe it. If you're going to be, if you're not going to go crazy, you kind of have to like say, if I want to survive, yeah. Yeah. Really? And, yeah. And then the biggest challenge becomes unconditioning yourself. <laughs> you know, it's, it's fine. You can blame it all on the people, which, and they, oh, yeah. yeah. But until you stop believing it, you're still in the pros of it, right? A hundred percent. So for me, my journey was so interesting because I was raised super conservative, but my journey of coming out of all that started with my husband, who was the musician. And was he a part he, of that community? He must have been a part of that Not at all. Not at how all. How did you, how were you he allowed to? Re- he was my rebellion. So oh, the bad boy. that way. Oh. And, um, and our, we've been going 30 odd years together. We nice. have a blast. And, but here's the cool thing is that I met him through my youth pastor and his wife who were very, very progressive. Okay. Um, so I was at a very formidable age coming in out of high school. And they all were musicians together in the area. They took off unsaved. These two were unsaved. They went down to unsaved. LA. Unsaved. Yes. Okay. Right. I had not they heard were, that phrase. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. They were not good, you know, Christians. Right, gotcha. They were off in LA living their life. My friends, their um, my youth pastor and his wife moved back to Long Beach to become youth pastors. They got saved and reformed and wanted to make a difference here in my area. I just happened to be at that church and I was so blessed to have them in my life because they understood the arts and they understood that creativity. So they really did help. Um, like he had a mohawk when he came to work for it. I mean, it was oh, very, a devil's very, haircut. Very progressive, let me tell you. He, <laughs> yeah. They stirred up a lot of stuff, but I loved them, right? Because I'm like, this is cool. And it, it helped to 
formulate a little bit of my own thinking because I've been having a lot of questions, as I mentioned in my piece that I wrote about yeah. lots of questions growing up. Yeah. And um, they were really instrumental in helping to show me that there's a different worldview. And but still, we kept it in the Christian realms that they sure. helped me expose me to worldviews. Um, and then I met my husband after I graduated, right after graduation from high school, he came back, visited them that one weekend we met and that was the end of it. So that, he was, became, it. that was like love at first sight, wonderful romance. And um, so what, what was interesting is for my progression was um, we actually were involved in the church. My husband and I, we got married, we stayed in that church. We stayed in other churches and we were very, very, very involved in the music industry. So right. he moved from being a secular musician to a, a Christian. Oh, he always oh, part of the Christian musician. Yeah. So that, yeah. Okay. so, and, and so then I got to see the whole other side and a whole other side of um, teachings and, and the way people were functioning. Um, but I was still struggling. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Anybody that knows me knows that I was struggling because even <laughs> Our contracts with our um, Christian label had written in there that I was allowed to talk to the press because I would ask questions about Christian music industry that they didn't want me to ask, you God. know. So they're like, lock her down. God, I'll tell you what. <laughs> <Not> now, but <laughs> any any group you join that said you can't say such and such, it just mm -hmm. is a, it's a red flag, yeah. man. It it's really was. It really was. And but so, you know what? Can I say something in defense yeah. of of I've, I came from an absolutely uh, neutral environment. Yeah, My yeah. family had gone to sort of traditional Christian churches in the Midwest, but by the time I came along, they were done with it. So yeah. they had, but they'd liked it well enough. So no one spoke good or bad about it. So yeah, we just, and that's very healthy to be that way. Oh yeah, so I just had my own natural relationship to it. But yeah. I will tell you this, which is that I understand is, as I try to find my own sort of inner peace, you don't want to hear people say, you can't find your inner peace. You don't want, yeah. you, you, and they kind of become like heretics. Like, look, man, yeah. this yeah. is hard enough. Don't tell yeah. me this isn't real. Yeah. Because, so yeah. I'm going to try, I could burn you at the stake maybe, or I'll <laughs> kick you. You know, I kind of get it on, on, in the general sense. Like this yeah. is hard enough without you people running around saying yeah. none of this is real. No, I totally get it. I, I don't know. My, my biggest manifestation of questioning was really how women were treated. Well, sure. I, I'm incredibly vocal. Yeah. Um, my husband call, calls me at the time a bomb layer because I would just make these statements and right. I walk away and let everybody try to figure out. Right, how, you know, right. I just, and, um, and then we started, you know, raising two daughters and oh, I really wanted to make sure my daughters were presented with a healthy view of women. And right. so luckily for me, when all of it came down, I was also getting in, um, going into secular from the church, we call it secular education. Okay. And so, and I had already, so you got to hear this before, when I met my husband, I was getting my um, degree in theology at a very reputable, huge Bible church right. uh, university in the northwest in the northwest yes okay. and i was like two credits away from graduating with wow. this huge theology degree so i've already started to expose myself to ideas um about theology and women oh, so and when you say theology so you're talking about the broadest sense of like some other religions theology, as well yeah, I but assume. it was under this church so when we did right. the exploration it's like this is how we believe and this is what other religions believe and i'm like 
but why are they so different? Why, you know, and they, I got in so much trouble in that college. I can't even, oh begin my to God. but I was just asking lots of questions and that was okay. So fast forward to when I left, you know, to stay home and raise the kids, I started going to secular college and, you know, had the opportunity there for the first time to be able to express my questions and to be able to explore other ideas other, without the fear of, going to hell or whatever right right? and so it was so freeing and i would imagine like anything else like you hear these stories about people if you're in a little community they will they will tell you why you don't want to be out there oh yeah and then you go out there and you're like well they don't have horns and they're not trying to all drag me into bed and they're not feeding me drugs like it's it's not they're just people and it starts making the whole thing fall apart i would assume and, and there are so many times I wish I, you know, knowing what you know in your life and you go back and you think, oh, I wish I could go back and do this differently. There were so many times that, you know, even I, and it was survival and I, you know, I apostolized plenty and, yeah. you know, spoke the language and talked the talk and isolated friends from around me that didn't believe my beliefs at that time. And to this day, you know, I'm like, gosh, love to go back the person I am now and say, hey, this is, you know, this is what I think now about all this. But you, you, you grow up and you, hopefully we all evolve regardless of where you're at or if you're religious or not or whatever. Hopefully you grow as you get older, you start experiencing more and you start seeing more about the world and about people. For me, what it really comes down to is loving others. Yes. Everyone. Everyone. Absolutely. Everyone to, and that's all that matters. I, yeah. I don't care about your religion, whatever. I'm happy to talk about it, but it's funny as I don't talk about it that much. And my kids are hilarious because they, um, they know the whole story, right? They, right? they remember being in the church and coming out of it and stuff. And they're just like, every once in a while, they're like, is it weird to you that you have kids that absolutely don't know anything about the Bible? <laughs> and I'm like, well, kind of, yeah, considering what I came from. <laughs> It really is. But, you know, they're healthy, they're happy. And, you know, so they'll find it. There's all different ways to find it. Yeah, all different ways to find it. You know, I do think the advantage of being raised in such a restrictive thought environment where they just they really are like afraid of. And you know, what's interesting. and, and, And what's powerful about that is there's a recognition of the power of thought. Oh, yeah. And and also, by the way, if you've had kids, you recognize free will is operative from right away and like 100%. Yeah, and like you can't actually make them do anything. You can torture yeah. them and you can tie them up and you can but they still have their own yeah. mind and, their own yeah. thing. and yeah. everybody trying to control people knows that. But it yeah. seems to me that you know, being raised in that it would give you a deeper appreciation of free thought, a deeper mm-hmm. appreciation of, of expression does. because you had to like find it and accept it on a level maybe not all of us have to do. Yeah. And that's, and that's a really great way of um, kind of leading to what really drew me to librarianship is that if people don't know, librarians tend to be the most open progressive individuals. They do not believe, oh yeah, we are schooled in the tendons of non-censorship. So we will not censor people's writings. We won't censor people. So, um, and we're really about access for everybody, not just fake news is what they call it right. now, not right. just one line of thought, right? right. So um, when I discovered this in the library and community, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so great because they, it's, it, it, 
is even gone to the place where at times for the library industry where they have had to get subpoenas um, for records of what people have checked out and they will refuse to go to their yeah, grave yeah, yeah, yeah. handcuffed and will not yes. give you and I'm like right on from yeah. that because nobody needs to know what everybody else right. is doing right so so the librarian life is um, the the tenets of what they are really truly about and protecting other people's creativity and making sure that people are exposed to all sorts of information and reliable information that was all what i was about because i'm like that is so that was a real natural aspect of the life, but not everybody knows about librarians unless no. you're schooled in librarianship, you know that, but not everybody knows that. <laughs> that is very cool. Now, um, if I, all right. So um, you have a podcast yes. and like I said, I've been on it twice. And so you, interestingly, cause I think we touched on this in our last conversation. Yeah. You were drawn to do your podcast in many ways for the same reason in similar reasons to why I was drawn to do this podcast and my interviews for Author Magazine, which yeah, is for myself, were. I was not having success as a writer, but I really wanted to just be around people who were because I felt it would be healthy for me yeah. to be around people who were flourishing, do the th doing the thing that I wanted to flourish doing. And it's similar. Did you kind of want yeah. to teach yourself by interviewing yeah. writers, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I love to learn. And um, I'm in a community that I hated my whole life living here, you know, for various reasons, right? right. But, you know, and, but we're still here and I didn't know any authors. And um, I had the choice. Um, I was getting to the stage where our kids were getting, moving out of the house and I was getting antsy and I'm like, I need to do something else. And so it was either get a doctorate because I'm still working in higher ed. And if I got a doctorate, I could move up the ladder. Now I've moved up the ladder and come back down. So I don't like the ladder and, you know, so I'm right happy where I am or start something else. And my husband's like, you're, you're a writer, why don't you just write? He's like, you've been wanting to write books forever. Just do that. And I'm like, but I don't know anything about it. So I came up with the idea of interviewing authors just for myself. And I just recorded yeah. it. And I just, I was, my focus was what is the publication industry out there like? Cause I didn't know anything about it. Right. How do you do this craft? How did you do it? How did you get your book <laughs> published? Right. And right. how did you have that excitement and energy to write the book and what's that process so I asked like five people recorded it and I'm like wow this is really good information because every author has such an awesome journey and not always is it great but they always no. tell me fantastic tips suggestions yep. um, it's turned into a resource podcast for yep. a lot of people and it and it inspires me and I know it inspires other people because I hear that um, but it's just that whole aspect of learning about this whole journey of publication and writing. And it turned into hundred, so far 108 episodes. That's great. <laughs> and, that's, you know, and and you know what's great I'm about learning. that? <laughs> it is, and you know what's great about that, Vicki, is that the best way I think to do interviews is to be driven by your own personal curiosity. And so, mm -hmm. you know, you your desire to learn makes you a compelling host S host yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you're not just there saying i want to have a podcast so people so i can have a platform so people can well, you know mm -hmm. sort of for purely career reasons you were doing it to learn oh so, it was free education for me <laughs> yeah so so you were coming from the, a, a natural 
And that makes, it's so much easier to talk to somebody yeah. who's naturally curious than to someone who's just got a list of questions that they're reading. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now I, and it's interesting because, you know, I started out with, you know, general questions. And if you listen to the podcast, I kind of stay with the general questions because people like to know the same things about the right. office. And the thing that I really wanted to offer too, was that I know, so I was going to live writers groups Mm -hmm. after I discovered these writers yeah. groups and I was seeing writers and authors get up and read their books or read portions of their books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's such a skill about presenting oh my God. in reading yes. or presenting. And yeah. I, I happen to be lucky enough to be skilled in it from my training in school and at work, yeah. but um, it didn't come easy or natural to me. And so I'm like, I want to give this platform for authors to read their book on the podcast because that'll give them opportunity to practice right. and have that ability. Because I feel like as a reader, I'm so more engaged with an author and I want to read the their work if I hear them read it to me. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And so I that's a little twist that I've done. Some authors have been totally all almost everybody's been Hey, I didn't read on yours. What happened? I, I don't know. I was I too busy yapping. You couldn't we, get we it. We forgot. It doesn't happen every single time. Right. I do have some authors come and say, I absolutely don't read my own work. Oh. Like, okay. And I'm like, well, do you want to practice with me? Me <laughs> always the teacher. And they're like, no, I just don't read my work. And I'm like, okay, great. You know? Yeah. Um, but every other situation it's just been so good and then i get to listen to it again so i yeah. edit and transcribe so i go do a lot of work on the podcast Jesus. to get out there so i'll edit it Nick and then i'll transcribe it i do use a transcription service but i have right. to go through and clean it up yeah. um and so i get to hear it all over again and every single time i hear it one of the episodes, gosh, this is so exciting. You know, it's true. I, I interviewed Martha Beck and I have a lot of admiration for that writer. And she she's written memoir and personal help. And, and I it was, I was so thrilled that I got to talk to her. And yeah. it was, you know, I got to listen. I, it was a lot of fun editing the video because I got to hear it all again. And yeah, it was yeah. super helpful for me. So that's good. So, but you are not just a librarian, no. wrong with that, nor a podcaster. You're an author as well. You have published Research Like a Librarian yeah. And so this is helpful for writers who need to research, particularly in the digital age. And I assume that nobody can research like a librarian they, or they <laughs> have, they have act, they probably know stuff that the app, at least the certainly more beginning authors couldn't possibly yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. And so tell me a bit about this book. What, what compels you, why, what compels you to write it? And like, what's it been like? Awesome. Oh, so crazy. <laughs> so wasn't the first book I was, I was working on actually um, a historical fiction right. novel. And Which you had I, to research. Yes. Yeah. You know, so naturally people say, oh, of course, Vicky's going to be a historical fiction author. Yes, I am. And that's what I love, history and research. So I was working on that and doing the podcast and almost every author that came on found out I was a librarian. And when I would hit stop recording, they would ask me questions about researching and wow. you know like how do I get how do I find resources for this and that and I'm like oh my gosh this is a thing right so last year before COVID hit I was working with um Sarah Ray Warner who is a big podcaster I was in I just did her master's class I didn't need to really but I wanted to just kind of get yep. connected with some other podcast individuals and we were talking I talked to her one-on-one -on -one about kind of my direction I said you know I think there's a book in this about this library thing and she's like yeah there should be and then I connected with um, Joanna Penn who is a huge um, superstar in the self-publishing world and um, she replied back to one of my emails because I call myself the author's librarian. 
And so she's like, I'm intrigued. What's this? And so she went on my, my website and emailed me back and she goes, when's the book coming out? And so honestly, I wasn't planning on writing this book. I was, my focus was I was going to do an online course first and just do a four steps to researching for authors. And from there, you know, maybe, but then Joanna was like, do a book first. It'll help with clarity. And I'm like, okay, great. That's true. So, which was, it was so helpful. And um, so started writing the book in January, self-published it in March. And since then it's been just super fantastic Um, because I did have a network of authors from the podcast. Um, A lot of the authors um, picked up the book, read it for me. Some of those are reviews on um, the Amazon and Goodreads for me. But here's the thing that I discovered is that every author that's read this book so far, even if they are self-proclaimed, I love to do research, they found something new or a new technique or a new tip. And I give 12 awesome resources to get started in. Um, And I talk a lot about authority and authenticity and aim of resources. And I do a lot of discussion about what kind of resources you should be using to start out with. So it's it's almost like a master's degree of librarianship written just for authors because the two things that I heard all the time was research is so boring. So I don't do it. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I get that, but you're looking in the wrong places. Um, Or I just Google or Wikipedia and that stops me in my tracks because, and I go through a whole reason why that's not the only place you should research. Starting position. Yes. Start great. Fantastic. But don't end there. And um, also I love, I hear, I love to research, but I get down the research rabbit hole and I can't get out. And I don't remember where I put things or how to organize it or how to use it in my work. And so I address all of that too. And, um, and then, so then after that book came out, you know, I started to get bookings to come on podcasts, write articles. I'm just loving it. It's great. I do get to go on Joanna's uh, podcast here in the fall. And I was also asked to be a presenter for the self-publishing conference, which it will be in the fall. Yeah. And it will be all about researching. So I'm jazzed. I just love it. (laughs) See, this is good. Why I like this is you just do what you love. You do what interests you. And naturally, organically, the opportunity sort of grows like a flower in a garden, you know, that you didn't even, and that's the best way to do it in trying to manufacture. So, all right, people, all you (laughs) writers out there who are writing, historical-ish or anything? Because, you know, you can oh, have you to research regardless. Research. I just wrote an article, blog post with um, for crime fiction writers on a blog post yeah. with resources for crime fiction. Any writer should be doing some sort of research. Well, <laughs> except for me. I, you know what? My, my resource is everything I've done, but I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm, I'm in an unusual, my research is everything I'm doing, but that's, I'm an oh. unusual category. Well, I yeah, do remember. Do you ever use quotes from anybody else? No. Okay, you know, then you lucked out. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. I mean, actually, that's not totally true. Believe it or not, I needed to read the Bible for something I was reading recently. But oh. fortunately, I, I know it was I was quoting the Garden of Eden. I was talking about the Garden oh. of Eden metaphor. Yeah. So, but I had the Bible, so I was able to look at it. Yeah. But you know, I remember when I was was writing historical fiction and I and I really dug into one subject. I need to learn about the Germans in America in the in the 18th. Mm-hmm. And you know what I was helpful for me was I started with a children's book or yeah. a book written for very young people. And yeah. then it kind of gave me the general, I could read it fast. Yeah. And then I would say, okay, I want to get into this, this, instead of trying to read like this giant adult yeah. thing from the get go, that yeah. was, no, that just so gave me a true. sense of it. 
I guide a lot of people that are doing research to start with the children's book sections first. Yeah. And what's really you interesting. You build out. Mm -hmm, and what people don't realize is how libraries are organized. Now, the number one thing I will always tell everybody, if you get stuck, you have the most amazing resources available to you and they're called librarians. And so <laughs> don't be shy, right? right? So let's say, you know, okay, so I'll give you an example of myself. I too needed to get some research on pirates, like legit pirates, right? And I right. know I can go find a lot of stuff on the internet, but I want to make sure I'm not getting a lot right. of junk. What was it so actually started, like to be Yeah, I started with the children's books on pirates because it's very simple. It has lots of pictures. I can start getting some pictures in my mind. Yep. But if you realize how libraries are categorized, so the spine where the numbers are, those are the exact same numbers that if you go upstairs to the adult section, you're oh, going nice. to find the same topic in uh, that number section. So I got two books there and then I ran up to the upstairs, got two really good legitimate books um, about pirates from authors and, and um, experts. I had four books and that got me started on what I needed. Uh, so, so, yeah. Hey, my instincts were right. Mm -hmm. Way back then. See, this is good. This is a good sign. I have zero desire to write historical fiction anymore. That's not what I'm doing. But just talking to you, I'm just, I, I almost want to research something. Oh, just <laughs> they, research. You're inspiring just kind of me. I love it. So, and I talk a lot about research, living research. So anytime you go to a museum, you're doing research. You know, right. you're, you're putting stuff in your brain that you might percolate out to be information that you might use further. Anytime you talk to an expert in a field, you're doing research. That's, that's what I... Yes, mm -hmm. I, I, that's what I like to do. I would go to the UW and I'd find a professor and I'd say, just mm -hmm. talk to me about slavery or talk to me about- That's you know. the best, that's oh, for sure. 100%. Because I can just ask it, my question. Like, I need right. to know and, about this. And you're getting, you know you're getting legitimate, authentic, yeah. Yeah. great sources. So yeah. I, that's, I call them in my book, secret agents. Yeah. There are a lot of people that get scared to approach an expert. And I'm like, if you're a writer, you can't be scared. You don't be shy, no. just go do it. You'll Experts so are rarely amazing. asked about their thing. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they bore people at parties. They, they have Absolutely. someone yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> Vicky, I knew this would be a good conversation. It was, I'm not quite done with you yet. Okay, so now, first of all, if, the book is Research Like a Librarian, and is it is it available at the usual outlets or just Amazon? Or currently, it's on Amazon. It's an ebook and print, and then I will be going globally after I get back from vacation in two weeks. I'm gonna okay. take it global. <laughs> All right, but so for now, it's at Amazon. And yeah. if someone wanted to be on your podcast or learn more yeah. about you, what's the best place to do that? So I have two websites, so I'll direct you to the authorslibrarian.com. It's all focused on this library work. Um, it does link back to all my podcasts. Also, my YouTube channel that I just started, um, where I'm addressing some questions and interviewing authors on camera. Um, and then also um, squishpin.com, which is the first site that started, has a lot, it's everything connected to the podcast, plus resources that are mentioned off the podcast and a blog post that we don't, I don't keep it up anymore, but I've had authors from my, I believe uh, I did one. Yeah, right, Didn't right. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's, so that, that is now turned to Squish Pin Productions. It's actually now my press name. It's, right. and so it's a huge website, lots of great stuff there. But um, so either the authorslibrarian.com or squishpin.com. Good. All right. Very good. One more question for you, Vicki. Uh, if you've ever heard this podcast, you may know what this is. I want you to finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? To be open. <laughs> nice. Yeah, got to.
Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Don't decide ahead of time. Nope. Anything. <laughs> really? Yeah. Just to be open. <laughs> That's good. Thank you, Vicki. This was awesome. You bet, Bill. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, there you go. There you have it. Stay open. It's true. Got to stay open. Got to keep the channels open. Let the inspiration in. Don't go get it. Let it come to you. That's how it works. That's how it works. Uh, All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. I'll be back again next week for another fabulous conversation. I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you, as always. I want to thank all of you out there for listening. Hope you picked up your copy of Everyone Has What It Takes. But if you haven't, don't worry about it. Just go find something you love to do, anything at all, and then do it.